1: Well, on today's show, we have a very special guest, someone you may or may not have heard of, depending on if you're a new listener, Mr. Glenn James. Hey, Nick. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Thanks for joining us. And we are recording live. Uh, Glenn has flown stateside. We are at FinCon 2023, and this is being recorded in a room with other people, so you might hear a little bit of background chatter, a little bit of talk. We are sitting on the 42nd floor of a hotel looking over Narlands and... Pretty good view. Not a bad spot to do a podcast. Love it. So today, we are going to get into investing mistakes, common investing mistakes that people make. Because at, here at FitCon, we're talking to people, we're talking to investors, we're talking to money people. And we have heard quite a few stories about some investment investing mistakes, as well as just in general, I want to hear about Glenn's kind of story of getting investments. Uh, I might talk a little bit about how I got into investing, then we'll cover these mistakes. I think it'll be a good half an hour. Stick with us, because you're listening to My Millennial Investor, the show where I search the financial world for the most up-to-date investment ideas, market trends, and income streams, so you don't have to. I'm your host, Nick Bradley. Let's get into it. So, Glenn, thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me, Nick. Excellent. And since uh, we did an edit break, and people don't know, you've actually gathered two more potential people to talk to us about their investing journey, how they got started investing. Mm. Uh, they don't have the microphone in the hand right now, but why don't you introduce these two lovely people that we might hear from in a minute.
0: Yeah. So you will hear from Simran Cole from Girls That Invest and Phil Thompson from Sky Wealth, who they've both been on the podcast before, but um, there we go. Yeehaw.
1: For those of you who don't know, uh, Louisiana and uh, New Orleans is in the South and Phil T- has taken the Texan yeehaw and applied it to all of America South. So p- sorry for the cultural appropriation. <laughs> we'll continue on. <laughs> nobody will Yee- really. Nobody will really be offended. We're all good. Yeehaw! It has been fun walking around doing that all week, Glenn. Let's talk about you. Mm. You are a money savant. However. I run your investing podcast. So I know like I maybe I'm more of the investing nerd per se. And you probably know more about how to budget like I have a lot of credit cards and I know that's a faux pas for a lot of your community. I don't have a lot of debt on those credit cards. I just have a lot of credit cards. It's a thing that Americans do. So you handle more of the general money kind of stuff and I focus more on investing. But today I want to hear from your investing side. Like how did you get specifically into investing? Was there a minute when you were like, Yeah, like this is what I need to do, or did you someone just kind of lean you into it? Like how did you get started with investing? I was always
0: interested in personal finance and I think from an early age I remember reading Rich Dad Poor Dad, for example.
1: Yeah. Guy.
0: And you know, I just I I don't know what it was. I was just always interested in learning how to handle money well, which I do pretty poorly um <laughs> and investing and just you know i remember buying books about investing in shares and, and doing all that stuff but i when i got started you know a million years ago like we didn't have apps like shares is or whatnot where you could actually just do yeah a 200 hundred dollar trade so i had to save up it was only really worth it with a two thousand dollar parcel because you might be paying twenty dollars brokerage right
1: do uh Right now, are there most brokers have minimums for your investing Australian side? No, or? because
0: you, some brokers may, but they're actually investment apps where you can do fractional shares yeah, and, and yeah. all that stuff. So you know, because
1: like when I got going Vanguard, you had to have like five thousand dollars. Like they were not going to let you buy mutual funds. Yeah, I'm not sure if ETFs existed at the time.
0: Oh, and that was the thing. Like yeah, to get a a mutual fund or a in Australia a managed fund, yeah. even if it was. An index fund that Vanguard have, there was still a two to five thousand dollar knock on the door. So and ETFs weren't a thing like VDHG, broad-based ETF. So you really had to buy individual stocks. And so I saved up and then I made all the investing mistakes in the world. And those who have read my book, you've you've seen it. Like there's a photo of me on a An autopsy bed, you know, with a big grin. But I have
1: seen the picture, yeah. Like, I I actually read the story as well. Yeah, I
0: I purchased single stock, which was single stock risk. It was a speccy, so really low liquidity, you know, penny stock type thing. Low
1: real potential of it making it happen. Yep.
0: They were waiting, it was sector specific to like agribusiness or agriculture.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, so they were like- I laughed, I was like, (laughs) agriculture.
0: Yeah, like they were doing- Your
1: first stock is an ag stock. Yeah. This one's going to happen. Yeah, it's like
0: they were doing pig vaccine or something like that. And and then they were, so that was the next layer down. They were waiting on regulatory approval for the vaccine. So it was like the government risk layer. So it's almost like a biopharmaceutical stock- but for animals, like towards pigs, and okay. it was just every. And then if you look at some of these penny stocks, right, there's probably key person risk because there's probably one
1: person who's yeah. the CEO and the founder. If the CEO bails, you're in trouble. Like, just, the main doctor falls hey, off.
0: Anyway, I ended up losing like forty percent, and I sold out. But so, you know, people won't make those mistakes nowadays because we've got broad based index ETFs, and that we can do it with smaller amounts. Right? You'd,
1: you'd be surprised. Okay, so. So yeah,
0: that was my first experience. What was your first experience? Well, on. When
1: you bought that yeah. um, pharma pig stock, yeah. did you pay an individual transaction? like my The first single stock I ever bought, I had to spend like $15 transaction fee. Yeah, it was $20 brokerage. Yeah, okay. Yeah, How did I get started? Uh, I got started, my at least um, fascination with investing, I started earlier. And I may have shared this before. I tell the story in the book that we're writing, and it's about in grade seven i was in an economics class and across uh anchorage alaska where i grew up you they the anchorage daily news had a contest and you got to pick five stocks and you had fifty thousand dollars and you didn't have to buy five but they gave you 50 grand and it was you know economics they said hey diversify at least buy five stocks you know 10 grand yada yada so like all of my friends were you know were seventh grade boys So, they're buying like shares in Playboy. They're buying shares in Budweiser. Like, they're buying Coca Cola, like things that a seven year old boy at least pretends to be interested in. And I was like, if I buy Playboy, my mom's going to kill me. Like, I can't buy, I can't tell her I buy Playboy shares. So, uh, this is 1997. So, if you know the macroeconomic landscape at the time, Microsoft is doing very well. So, I said, all right, Microsoft, let's go there. And then i think i bought coca-cola and like the wall street journal or like the new york times like some sort of like boring paper stock and then um like a month or two and you could change your investments like it you weren't like stuck a month or two microsoft is Slaying, as the kids say, and I'm like, oh, what other soft companies are there? Like, this is my breadth of knowledge. So I find this little company called Tibco Soft, which obviously is a software company, but I'm not even sure I put the two and two together at the time. I was like, it has soft in its name, just like Microsoft. Let's do it. So I put like a bunch more money in Microsoft and Tibco Soft, and these are the only two stocks that I own now. I've like I've undiversified and I've really penciled in here and. Typico Soft, I kid you not, like within the next, it was like a semester, so we're talking four months. It split twice. It <laughs> like tripled in price. I'm trying to convince my dad to take real money, like get a house loan, like this thing, I'm killing it in this competition. I won the competition. I beat like the other thousand kids that had been in this, you know, a little event. I don't think I got any real money. It'd be nice if they gave you like a real share of a company. Like that would have been good, but they didn't. And it's like, remember winning the event because I randomly picked these two stocks. (laughs) My dad never invested. And three years later, the dot-com boom happened. TipcoSoft is no longer a real company. So probably a good thing he didn't invest in TipcoSoft. But like from there, I was hooked. Like I love to win. I I grew up playing sports. So like my competition took over and I was like, I want to be involved in investing the rest of my life.
0: Yeah. And here we are. And here we are. Hosting an investment podcast. Yeah, it
1: wasn't, uh, I wasn't, I have to say, I wasn't as constant as I needed to be. Had I started investing in seventh grade, maybe I wouldn't have to schlub my voice to this podcast every week. But I'd do it for free. This is pro bono. This is fun. Well, I enjoy it. But- I but,
0: really do. Before we pay the bills, should we ask Phil and Sim what their first investment story was?
1: Yes, we did just interrupt their conversation. Phil's making eye contact with me. Let's get.
0: <laughs> all right, so Sim, let's get, come on over. You've honorary heard Sim, Texan, Phil. Sim from
1: Girls That Invest. Welcome to the My Millennial Investor Podcast.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Thanks for coming on. We I don't know if you heard the question I posed to Glenn. Mm-hmm. We are speaking to an investment audience. I got interested in the seventh grade investing. Glenn got interested in biopharmaceutical pig stocks. What is a story that got you like interested in investing? So like you're out there slaying it. You've got a great podcast. You've got the whole network thing happening. Thank you for coming on the podcast. This means a lot to me. What was the thing that got you hooked, either at an early age or into adulthood, that you were like, I need to make investing a bigger part of my life?
2: I remember um, being six years old, and I was on the playground. Okay, you had to
1: beat me. I I thought seventh grade was young, but six (laughs) years old? Some of us have bigger goals, kids.
2: I I remember you just said seventh grade, and I was like, I've got a story for you. (laughs) That's cute. Yeah, go for it. (laughs) And I was on the playground, as most six-year-olds are, and a friend had come up to me. She had just moved from the UK. I guess like British kids were smarter than New Zealand kids. And she told me that her dad had explained to her what the numbers meant on the news because at the time that was how we like got the tickers. The going tickers. Across, yeah. And I remember thinking, oh, I've always wondered that as well. Like I see things like USD and I see AAPL and I know what those are. But like I've never understood what that meant. I mean, it was six. I had to cut myself some slack. Yeah. And I went home that day and I was very excited to ask my dad, waited for the six o'clock news because this is the time when, you know, it wasn't 24-7.
1: Yeah, you have to wait for the channel to come on. You hope yeah. that like the static electricity there isn't messing up the airwaves. No, that's not kidding. You probably had HD when you were when in <laughs> six oh, years. I, don't I know. remember <laughs> black and white TVs. I'm not going to project that on you. Let's keep going. Is
2: this a competition? <laughs> Has
1: Australia got the internet yet? I forget. Okay, here we go.
2: Anyway, um, and my dad just didn't, you know, he tried his best to explain it, but he was an engineer. He had nothing to do with finance. And that was my first introduction to the world of investing and the introduction was oh it's too hard for me
1: oh no and so
2: I kind of just thought oh you know what I'll leave it um and it wasn't till I was older I was in university and a friend you know when rumors spread this one friend came up to me and they said there's this guy in medical school and he paid off his student loans by investing and so that was my second introduction to investing
1: wow and you're like I'm gonna top him
2: Well, I just thought, again, I was like, well, what does his dad do? Sure. Um, Which in itself is a weird statement now that I think about it. But they were like, oh, his dad works in finance. And I said, well, my dad doesn't. So I guess I'll never own it. Yeah.
1: And sometimes people think that. Like, you have to be involved early on. Like, we both kind of were interested early on. And my dad didn't follow my advice. And your dad kind of maybe in his own way didn't mean to, but kind of slowed your process down a little <laughs> it's bit. It's all his fault. <laughs> know, you could have totally taken that like lemonade money and then reinvested. Do you guys have lemonade stands?
2: Yeah. Do you know in, what? In the
1: States, little entrepreneurs like, you know, take their mom's lemonade and they try to sell it on the street side for a I quarter. I was
2: really burned by a lemonade stand the other week.
1: Okay. I went, there was in one In the States?
2: No. In, oh, sorry. Okay. The other month I was driving down my street and some kids had a lemonade stand and I said, well, I have to support this. I turn up. And he was just selling lemons. What? (laughs) And it was too late for me to say no. So I took home like eight lemons for $3. Did
1: did you know he was just selling? Like he was doing a lemon stand, not a a lemonade? Okay. (laughs) I thought he was doing like a Freud like thing, like psychology messing with your brain. Like, make your own lemonade, lady. Here's when life gives you lemons. And the
2: thing is, I have a lemon tree at home. So I didn't need the lemons. And it was lemon seed. Oh, (laughs) jeez.
1: So now you got heaps of lemons. You're like, thanks a lot, buddy. So, so that was
2: my first investment yeah. lesson.
1: But now you're inspiring people who maybe dad is giving some accidental uh, advice, and you're helping young ladies at six years old, hopefully. <laughs> Girls, if you're if you're listening to the show, invest. Don't let people hold you back. You can never start too early. I've actually I did an episode a few months ago about making your kids a millionaire. And Truly, it is surprisingly easy. Like if you, the earlier you start, like if the I hope the kid who get, sold you the lemons you didn't need, <laughs> I hope he invests that in the ASX and a passive index fund and lets it roll because ASX two hundred and S and ah, P, what a great fund! Mm-hmm. I know you guys have different particular names for it. Seems from New Zealand. Well, you certainly you can buy that though. We
2: ha- we have the NZ fifty because we only have fifty so have companies.
1: companies. <laughs> I love it. Listen, I grew up in. Alaska, okay, and like mm-hmm. 50 companies is a lot. Thanks for bragging. I
2: think the Alaska GDP is larger than New Zealand's. We
1: have, well, we have a lot of oil. <laughs> we had ExxonMobil and Shell. Those are the two companies that keep Alaska <laughs> afloat. Sim, thanks for coming on. Thanks for sharing your story. Let's get on to Mr. Yeehaw, Yeehaw. himself, Bill.
3: Hello. They should get insurance. In they place should in get insurance. Yeah. Investing's
1: dumb. Get insurance. <laughs> Phil, I assume because you've afforded first class airfare from I don't know. I don't you, I don't know. No, what I'm in cattle class, my
3: friend. Or, uh, cattle class? Yeah.
1: Okay. That's I think that was the name of the stock that Glenn first invested in. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> cattle class pharmaceutical. Okay. What got you in investing? Like you I know you do insurance products and that is a needed, important industry. And if you there's no sense getting loaded up on investments if you blow your knee out and you can't go to your day job or other things. So insurance certainly has a place in the world and a very valuable one. But but that I assume aside, you, I assume you also have some
2: correct. shares investing, yeah, yeah.
1: Yep. some ETF investing. Do you remember what made and I assume that maybe even while you got an insurance, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. Like what's your investment story? What made you interested in the first place?
3: Yeah, I I grew up in a very kind of like working class family my dad was um worked for the army and then worked for the defense force um and so we we never talked about investing we never talked about shares because he's on a he would get a pension or yeah he actually got okay. a yeah well in australia it's a defined benefit pension yeah so he dad would talk about this ethereal kind of oh, i'm going when i retire i'm going to get paid you know x amount every every yeah. single week and if i die mum gets you know three quarters of it. Uh, every, every fortnight it gets paid out. So we never learned about investing through um, superannuation at okay. all because dad never had a superannuation sure. account. So I kind of started investing after I became a financial advisor or started, or worked in a financial okay. advice practice. So um, when I was like 24, that's when I kind of started getting into it and, and getting excited. So the first investing process, That I did. I actually set up a margin loan. Oh, that that is a – could be a scary way to start. It is. It is. It's definitely not a way I would recommend anyone starting. But I was – I think I'd, you know, looked at some like real dodgy trading websites and I lost a bit of money on that. So I was like, no, yeah. I'll do it properly. I'll set up a margin loan and, and invest in funds because uh, the advice firm I was working for had done that for their clients. And so that was kind of my first kind of delve into it. Um It's definitely not something I would recommend people doing yeah. uh, as a first way of doing it. But it was, you know, it was a good way to learn about like leverage. I didn't lose money. Okay, thankfully. that was my next question. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. it was... And the money was there, invested for a short time. Like I was pre-kids. I think we'd just had our first kid, but we were pre pre-house, yeah, so I knew I was going to use that funds some, some other way within a short period of time. So um, but that was, that was how I, I first started. I just invested in funds through and borrowed money. on margin. Yeah, on margin. and it worked out. It did, yeah, it didn't blow up in my face. I think the margin at the time, it was like 50 percent like loan to value ratio so there were, yeah I was I was being conservative in my own you could borrow more we could you could invest at a I don't know 60 or 70% uh, LVR yeah. at the time but I was like no I'm I'm a conservative guy I'll only do 50% on margin
1: So even though you were willing to risk the margin account you were quote-unquote at least smart with the margin or conservative with yeah, the margin. yeah yeah and and because i'd worked for a firm where well you know this is
3: post gfc yeah so i'd heard stories about you know what it was like um with with the firm's clients on margin during the gfc yeah. um so you know i knew oh, look i'm i'll do 50 percent uh,
1: again not anything i would recommend anyone else doing but i started when i was 24 yeah um quick margin story i'd for a bit, was looking into some forex trading, and to buy a lot size to do currency, like if I wanted to do currency arbitrage between the USD and the Australian dollar, um, which would have obviously been profitable this year. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, it's been brutal. Coming to get a in. lot size, you need like quite a bit of money. So like everybody in forex uses margin, and mm. like you can only I think. 50x margin only like obviously that's a lot yeah. you can 50x margin your forex account in the states but you can like 500x out of like places like Bulgaria or something. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, people yeah, are yeah. recommending I do not recommend but people recommend like hey you, if you want a bigger lot size if you want to make your trades worth more you need a 100, 200, 300, 400x and it's just like oh mercy so margin always makes me a little squeamish yeah. so I'm glad it worked out for you and,
3: and, the, and the thing about like, my journey is I never got taught about any of yeah. it yeah with my parents we never talked about it and so yeah so this was one of the issues and you know i'd been working for a firm but you know i never talked about it when i was a kid yeah mum and dad we never discussed any of it like buying shares to them was just something so scary and something to be feared yeah and so there was just no conversation as yeah. we were growing up it
1: doesn't have to be a scary thing like, yeah if you have kids talk to your kids about it like make it a practice Make it a normal thing, it because it is normal. Like you need to be investing, you need to outpace inflation, you need to set up hopefully legacies for your family. So, yeah, and our, our kids,
3: we've got three yeah. kids, they just baked Lovely. cookies. Two weeks ago, went around their neighborhood and sold the cookies. They made fifty-three dollars.
1: That's passive income in your that, pocket, my yeah, friend. Yeah. Well, no, it wasn't. It
3: cost us because we dollars the in ingredients. Supplies? No, no, no. It was we oh. had it all in the cupboard. Okay. Did you, a, did you do a Did you figure from. out the
1: profit? Okay, good. No, no,
3: we, we <laughs> let them keep we donated the ingredients right for them. But, you know, their, their older sister walked around with them, so they gave her a cut. They gave oh, her five dollars. Security cut. Yeah, Security yeah exactly.
1: They had the muscle come around with them. Good deal. Thanks for coming on, Phil. Uh, Right after the break, I'm going to ask Glenn how he avoids the five most common investing mistakes. And spoiler, he probably doesn't. We'll be right back.
2: Yeehaw! Wow!
1: Nice! Yeah! What you're hearing
0: are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Thanks, Nick. And thank you to Phil and Sim. Uh, Phil runs a company called SkyWealth. You can head to skywealth.com.au and make sure you got your income insurance in place before you invest. And Sim runs a podcast and an Instagram account called Girls That Invest. Yeah, And just back, you, you mentioned with Sim, like... You made a joke like, oh, if there's a six year old girl listening to this, I'd be very surprised if there's a six year old girl listening to your podcast,
1: mate. (laughs) I heard as young as, as smart as 12.
0: Okay, cool. All right, where are we?
1: Well, uh, you know, we're at FinCon, we're out talking to people, we're asking, you know, their biggest investing mistakes or like common mistakes that they hear from their audience. And one you've already covered on not understanding the investment. So your very first investment and the investment story, you talked about not really knowing what you were getting into in terms of, like, you might have known the industry a little bit. You may have known, like, this is a good potential, but, like, probably didn't realize how big regulatory was going to get in the way of really tanking your profit. Well, I think the trap
0: that I've stopped getting into now is, like, oh, rewind, like, it's good to invest in species. We're not putting 100% of our portfolio in the specy. Very small.
1: And and I think your and I definition of specy is almost different. What's yours? Like when I think of speculative stocks, I'm actually thinking of more like penny stocks. Yes. And you might be thinking more towards single shares.
0: No, I I would say specy is in literally could be zero next year. Yeah,
1: like a lot of – Yeah, so
0: if we look, you know, 18-year-old Glenn – he saved up $2,000 and put 100% of that yeah. into that. Yeah. Where now if I had $2,000, I might go, well, here's $100 to the Becky. Right. So I think it's okay. But we get caught up with the – and this is like the behavioral side of it. This will do good. I will double money and all this like dopamine thing yep. and – I think so that's is
1: good end interest. Yeah,
0: so I think that is one of the bigger traps with investing. We want it to be the answer to all our problems, not just parking money to grow for the long term.
1: Yeah, it needs you know. Hopefully, you have a set it and kind of forget it policy. Mm. Like it should be that kind of simple. You know, Warren Buffett. You know, I talk about Warren a lot. Like he says, if you you shouldn't buy a stock. That you're not willing to own for five years. Yep. He's like, you know, some people try to trade, but then they get on the wrong side of that trade. And all of a sudden, you're a long term owner of something mm. you don't want to know. Mm. So you need to understand your investment before you make a uh, purchase. It's tip number one to avoid. Number two, I have done this falling in love with a company. Mm. Sometimes revenue and stock appreciation do not go hand in hand. And it's like, you know, you might love Starbucks. Like I've talked about people who, who like Starbucks and Starbucks is probably a bad example because they've done well in the you know little bit, but like just because you really like a company as a consumer doesn't mean it's gonna do well. And sometimes you just think, no, no, it's gonna come back, it's gonna come back, it's gonna mm-hmm. come back. Cause you they had a brand at some point, but maybe they didn't have a moat. And like people who bought Kodak back in the day, like they weren't realizing Kodak's not keeping up mm-hmm. or Blockbuster. Yeah, I mean, I went to Blockbuster every Friday to rent a VHS, and then later in life a DVD. People weren't thinking Blockbuster's done, but then a disruptor comes in, and and it is done. Like you, there's literally no more Blockbuster, at least stateside. So you follow the company, you think they're going to do well, but like that isn't a reason to own a stock. Glenn, have you ever been impatient?
0: Almost every day.
1: Lack of patience was the third. that we that we found i'm sure you're probably more patient as an investor yeah so i've learned that i'm
0: like i'm a terrible saver right because if money builds up i'll find something i want to spend it so i've really had to learn to be an awesome investor and to do that once i commit money to my investment account it stays there
1: and you definitely differentiate between the two yes yeah as do i yeah so
0: when when i say like with your personal finance you should give some save some and spend some yeah the save sum isn't like cash at bank, emergency. Like sure, but the save is like saving for future yeah. investing.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I interchange the. Uh, I try to say invest a little bit more, but I know a lot of people like that. Like when I first started working right out of uni, like my dad was like, "You got to save ten percent." Yeah. And what he meant was like park as much as you can in the super or the four hundred one k retirement, not like cash in the bank, mm. ready to buy a car, which you should also do as well. I fall prey to this one. Do you? Too much investment turnover. Like I look at my portfolio too much, and I'm tinking and you know tweaking and doing a little bit too much things. Like, are you more of a method kind of go yeah, for it kind of guy?
0: I, I I don't think I have this issue. Good. The turnover part, it might be just that smaller specy percentage that yeah I'm flipping or Yeah, away yeah. I mean that's but what yeah. I
1: come to but I think my specy percentage is too large. <laughs> <laughs> I think I may have started talking about five percent, ten percent, like two <laughs> like, years in you're like, Nick's like fifty percent. Oh, it's yeah. not that's not true. That's not true.
0: Yeah, no, no, I am I'm, I'm good with that one. How about you listening at home? Do you dick around with your investment too much?
1: People probably most likely do. Number five is the worst. And we will end with this one. Okay. I attempt this is uh hi, my name is Nick, and I am a market timer. I have a I have three different brokerage accounts, and one of them is a set it, truly forget it. I only buy the S&P 500 index. Like, that's all I buy in there because you're owning 500 American companies. It's the largest 500. They change companies in and out as they fall out of favor. That's all I buy for that one. Then I have like a mixed portfolio where I'm trying to do a little bit more specky kind of investing. It's a smaller percentage of my overall net worth. And then I've got like my I'm stupid portfolio, I shouldn't be doing this, but I can't stop myself and attempting to time the market gets stuck in that one. And I did some of the math and then I stopped because we have a mutual friend. And I gave him some advice last year that if he could just come up with $300 a month, and he invested in this XYZ stock, I won't mention it right now, Like And then he could do covered calls, which is an option strategy I've talked about before. He could generate monthly income, reinvest that, actually it was weekly income, reinvest that back in, buy more shares and buy more shares, and this kind of create this kind of, you're expounding on compound interest. Well, he didn't do it, and I didn't do it. And it was like, because I was trying to time the market, I was afraid... The bear was going to continue to fall. In my mind, I got so fixated on us dipping down to pre-COVID high prices. So like February 2020, like January 2020. Like I had this literally yellow line on the chart waiting for us to get in that vicinity. Didn't get there. It It hit there in like March and boing. Well, it didn't hit there. It got like it above there and just bounced, you know, 20 points above. And then I missed a great buying opportunity. And you know, he didn't either. And I looked back at it the other day. It's like the stock's up 65%. Had he covered call, he would have been up. I mean, anyway, attempting to time the market. Learn from my example. Don't do it. Make it's it easy. So make uh, it simple. Make it automatic.
0: I, and this is the nuanced part, right? Like every single Wednesday, I've got a, a setting that I buy three ETFs. Every like single Wednesday. With a robo or you go in there and click? No, out. no, it's automatic. Okay, yeah. yeah. But I'm always cash heavy right so if i do see a buying opportunity i'll put more money in yeah throw a couple of grand in now that kind of is timing the market but it's also just well, oh, it's really cheap today i've got spare cash i'll throw yeah. it in like you i'm not to selling my episode where i yeah. said
1: if any stock you really want to own hits the 50 or the 100 200 daily moving average that's a good time to buy Yep. just did that with tesla yesterday
0: yeah so i i don't time the market but I've got dry powder if needed.
1: Yeah. So, Excellent. We heard from four unique guests, one being myself. So three (laughs) unique guests today on the 42nd floor of the hotel in New Orleans with some fun background information, five mistakes people make. Seems like between the two of us, we make all five of them. Pretty much. When you add that up, that was a great show.
0: But the common thing is human behavior. And that's why you need to remove that as much as possible.
1: Make it automatic.
0: Make investing great again. My name's Glenn James and you are...
1: Nick Bradley. You've been listening to My Millennial Investor, the show where I search the financial world for the most up-to-date investment ideas, market trends and income streams, and sometimes some quirky guests. So you don't have to. We will see you next week.
0: This podcast is produced and published by Oregon Trail Investor in the USA. All information is for entertainment purposes only. The brand My Millennial Investor is used under license.